0: Begin, Michael. Let's let's begin. Hello and welcome to IRC Book Club, the show where every week we reconstruct, deconstruct, take apart, put back together, generally criticise and annihilate, and sometimes heavily praise uh, a legendary classic business or sales text. This week we are on a new book. Uh, Michael and I have been reading. The Effective Executive by Peter Drucker, which anybody who went to business school, did business studies or marketing will know. Mr. Drucker is one of the most respected thinkers in the world of business academia. Um, if you like what you're watching, do us a favour, smash that like button, do it right now. Hit the share button, do it right now. Hit the subscribe button, do it right now. Comma, please. Uh, and if you really enjoyed it, do it after the show as well. Stick around, it's going to be fun. So Mike, uh, this week we've done chapter one of the Effective by Except- Peter <laughs>
1: <laughs> Michael is laughing
0: as much as he is because...
1: we've, we've Literally, I thought this book... I, I, I read it I read the book for about five minutes and I thought, Peter Drucker has this been written by Peter
0: Alice? <laughs> Peter Alice the golf commentator <laughs> literally well what's funny about some books is you know, I'm reading a book at the moment, a fiction book called I Am Pilgrim about <laughs> a spy and it's really really entertaining and it's so entertaining I'm already at a point of it where I wish I'd never read it so I could read it You know, like, you get that with certain TV shows or movies where you think, oh, I wish I'd never seen it so I could go through the whole enjoyment of of seeing it again. Um, This is pretty much the converse thus far. But what's frustrating is actually, I'm not enjoying it, but (coughs) actually it's got me thinking and I've got some interesting stuff out. You know,
1: I I know we'll go through each chapter... Of course we will. But but I'll tell you something that did occur to me um, with this book is I then turned myself to before the chapter, and it says, first edition, 1967. Yeah, it's a bit dated. This one, the one I've got in my hand, was 2011. And for the next book, the golden rule that we're going to do is, has been written in the last two years.
0: Yeah, I concur. Because
1: I'm, I'm knocking the guy and everything. He does say some really good stuff. There's just no doubt oh, about Peter, that Peter Drucker to. is genuinely... But, He's I mean, one of the most respected business thinkers. But the time. writing style is so old-fashioned, he witters on. But, I mean, a lot of the books of that time witter on because I think we're in an on-demand world now and the book, that the media that we get in sales yeah. books is on-demand. Great point, and that actually today's reading audience... Is it on-demand? I don't want have all the time stuff to... around the edge of it. I just want to know what you're trying to tell me. Was actually, this guy, you know, you know w- w- why write a sentence when you can write three pages There's...
0: for want of a better word he masticates over the points quite lengthily at times doesn't he good word yes a good use of the word masticate I believe
1: I've never so, heard it before
0: I, I'm going to start with the foreword because actually there were some really interesting things in the foreword the foreword is written by a guy called Jim Collins Jim Collins wrote a book called Good to Great which again anybody that's got business school education or not if, you, if you're Particularly if you started a business, Mike. I think pretty sure you've read Good to Great. Yes, I have. You. It is a really very inspiring book about how some of the really great businesses became the great businesses that they are. And so the foreword is by Jim Collins, who is a very well-respected thinker in his own right. Um, and it's some of the praise. In our research for the book Built to Last, Jerry Porras and I came across a number of great companies whose leaders have been shaped by Drucker's writings, including Merck, Procter & Gamble, Ford, General Electric, Motorola. Multiply this impact across thousands of organisations of all types. And, and, and it, it, you know, the, the praise is very high indeed from somebody, from another thinker here. And I think in those days, you know, somebody writing this forward, it's not like sometimes you, you read the words that we read on the Sandler book or... On Jordan Belfort's book, you know, slip me a tenor ear and I'll write you a nice foreword. This is a forward from another fellow thinker that, that's very high praise. So I, I am teeing the book up a little bit here, in as much as there's clearly some useful stuff in it. Um, no individual contributed more to our understanding of effective management in the last 50 years than Peter Drucker, is what Jim Collins is saying, which is really amazing, isn't it? And then the, the final bit, and I actually wrote, MP is going to love this then. And this is on page nine of the foreword. He puts, Drucker's genius shines best in the short paragraph or single sentence that cuts through the clutter and messiness of a complex world and exposes a truth, like a zen poet. Drucker packed universal truth into just a few words. So I actually wrote next to it, Mike's going to love this book, because I was expecting almost an Ernest Hemingway style of writing. Yeah. Point. point, bang, point, Sparse. Bang. point, bang sparse, powerful, we've not quite
1: got that here, have we? Well, we haven't got it. No. Um, and then, do you know, that is one of the shames about the book, because actually some of the stuff he says is good, but jeez, it's like wading through treacle. Oh, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about chapter Well, let's two... go into it, shall we?
0: Yeah, so the, so did you read the preface?
1: No, I didn't bother. I right,
0: because actually I've read both the forward and the preface, so there's some useful stuff in the preface here, Pricey. Um, and I think the first point he makes, and maybe we'll put some context around why I chose or encouraged us to. Well, you chose it. Why I got us into this mess in the first place, um, was we'd read two sales books over the last two or three months of Book Club. Yeah, We were getting a bit sales booked out, particularly at a tactical sales book level. And therefore, I think we were just getting to a point where we thought, let's get, read a business book. Um, and I'm a bit of a personal productivity nerd really I, I, I love anything that will make you more personally productive on a day-to-day basis and you know, Mike, you're a, a Teutonic productivity machine yeah, I'm productivity without frills Yeah, you, you know, you've got, a, you've got your methodology, you stick to it and it works You're very, you know, I follow a plan huh? and so I thought it'd be really interesting to do a book on personal productivity and effectiveness um, and on a couple of books this was recommended to me in a book I read by Tim Ferriss called Tools of Titans which is a really good book it's a compendium of really successful people talking about things that had made them successful and it was recommended by a couple of different top business leaders who said oh you've got a really effective executive so it's kind of found its way in um, and the, in the preface he says management books usually deal with managing other people the subject of this book is managing oneself for effectiveness, that one can truly manage other people is by no means adequately proven. I felt that's an interesting part start to kick off the debate, that one can truly manage other people is by no means adequately proven, but one can manage oneself.
1: So, I don't know, what do you think to that? What do I think to that? Um... What's the question? See, this is the problem with what we... What is language? Ah. In fact, I'll answer your question first. What was your question? My question was, management books
0: usually deal with managing other people. The subject of this book is managing oneself for effectiveness. That one can truly manage other people is by no means adequately proven.
1: But what does he mean by that?
0: What well, he's saying is, you can't manage people, but you can manage yourself.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. No? No. I'll uh, tell you what I actually think about that. I think that a good manager puts in place a good process and then makes people stick to that process. Because then actually right. you don't have to manage the people, you just manage their actions.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: That's what I think of that. Yes. But I think his statement is sort of okay-ish.
0: You don't like the way it's been... Lang-
1: language. I, I, I don't like the language at all. No. He, 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 you know, apart from what I underlined this, I don't know if we're still on the preface, he, he says some good stuff, brilliant men are often strikingly ineffectual. And I don't know if one of my pals is watching this, and you'll know who you are if you are, and he's not an IT guy, he's a, uh, he provides advice to venture capitalists. He's obviously a fabulously bright guy, went to Cambridge, all the rest of it, and he's a drinking pal of mine, and I know he's, but I know he's in LinkedIn, you might watch it. If you met him, what's amazing about this guy is, The millionaires turn to him for advice. Yeah. But I'm talking hundreds of millions of millionaires. Yeah, truly wealthy. He advises them. He's not a millionaire. And I said to him, I don't get why you're not a millionaire. Because he gives out such mega advice. You look at his people he's connected to. They are proper heavy hitters. And his point is, he said, listen, Mike, I know my own weakness. I know that I'm really good and clever at what I do but I'm not self-disciplined enough to do it myself, so I've just given it a try. Interesting. And that's sort of what that's getting to. Yeah. Or he, 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 about he, the, or about he... being effectual.
0: And what he's talking about in the book, and what we're going to get through over the course of the show, and over the course of the next few shows, is what he's talking about is being effective. Yes, he is, yeah. And affecting what you do and being an effective exec. And I do think that's a really interesting topic. I'm not talking about
1: it is, it is being a good salesman the, here.
0: I'm it is talking but,
1: about being an effective. It is in the context of what he's talking about because he's aiming this at knowledge workers. And
0: we're in the well, everybody we work with the
1: knowledge workers. Well, there. absolutely, hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. But then he goes on to why would he do effective executive, blah blah blah, and he says today, however, the large knowledge organisation is the central reality, and he goes on about it. And I thought to myself, this is why the book's outdated. I think because I think the the way in which machine learning and big data now manages data, will take away the, necess- the necessity for people to be organised in that well, way. it's really interesting. I've got a couple of
0: other points that I picked up before that.
1: But, right. but, but coming to the point you
0: made, I actually highlighted that too. And um, what he talks about... Um, I'll, I'll, read it, I'll, I'll read the full quote and then give you my thoughts on it. So he says, Today, however, the large knowledge organisation is the central reality. Modern society is a society of large organised institutions. And every one of them, including the armed services, the centre of gravity, has shifted to the knowledge worker, the man who puts to work what he has between his ears, rather than the brawn of his muscles or the skill of his hands. And I think you're right, I think it's dated. I wrote here, we're in the era of the knowledge worker, are we? Maybe we're actually almost a bit past that now. Yeah, 100%. And I think that we're almost, I feel like we're almost in a post-knowledge worker era. In terms of what we
1: do, our, our sector is there's some. There's some sectors like behind it. Yes, the legal sector, legal like, sector, N H S. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent.
0: But if you looked at, for example, recruitment, we I, I believe in the recruitment sector now, particularly at sort of the level we operate at, we're past just basic knowledge work. Yeah, hundred
1: percent, hundred
0: percent. I think I think actually now we're into what you would call intelligence work. Yes, I think you're right.
1: I haven't thought of that but I do think you're it's intellect right.
0: work now it's not knowledge work it's it, it, it's not just it, it's actually the demands of what he did what he's referring to as knowledge work it, we're in a, almost getting towards a post email era when he wrote this book it was a, an era where people got letters on their desks
1: he does yeah and I mean I, I don't know if you want to go but where back where
0: one called one's secretary into one's office and said Miss Smith That's take a letter
1: Correct, that's when he wrote it.
0: Yeah. So I do think that's a little bit dated. There were some interesting points uh, even early on, though, that I did think was really useful. Uh, 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 the, the challenge we've got with this book is you and I are both frustrated with the writing style, but it's full of little nuggets. Oh, yeah, You've under- got to sift through them for gold.
1: and, and he, so, so you're literally sifting through it looking for the stuff. And it's hard to concentrate, though, because of it. Yes. I found my mind drifting off. I
0: found it not drifting quite as much in Chapter 2 when you started to get to some nitty-gritty. But the first chapter on what is effectiveness and effectiveness can be learned, it was hard to pick out. So you're all really lucky that we're reading this book for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't buy this book.
0: (laughs) But we're reading it for you and there's a load of stuff to get out of it. To be effective is the job of the executive. To effect and to execute, after all, are near synonyms. And he basically then says... um, here you go, whether he works in a business or a hospital, a government agency or a labour union, in a university or the army, the executive is first of all expected to get the right things done. Now I know that's a statement of the bleeding obvious, right? But actually it's an incredibly powerful statement. What page are you on here, I'm on page one. Oh, right. And, And I wrote here, you know, it made me think, getting the right things done, about some of the people we engage with who whose careers have gone awry and actually often it's because they're doing the wrong things but they think are the right things. So for example...
1: No, they I, know they're the wrong things. They're just obfuscating from the fact so, that So
0: like, for example, the right, getting the right things done, being effective. Call oh, calling. Being effective, not sitting on LinkedIn all day.
1: Yeah,
0: 100%. 100%. Clicking like because you're hoping that somebody's going to be your mate and it might turn into an
1: opportunity. I never do that.
0: No. Um, but that, that whole being effective thing of actually knowing where time's going, and we'll talk about that. Well, time. It comes onto that, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So I really liked that. And then he, he also makes makes a couple of great points about in, in every organisation there's some highly effective plotters, while others rush around in the frenzy and busyness which very bright people so often confuse with creativity. The plotter puts one foot in the other and gets there first, like the tortoise in the Old Fable. So what he's saying is some people get shit
1: done. I've always said this, your wife is a person who does stuff.
0: So. Some people, yeah, he's saying some people get get shit done, um, and other people run around, are busy, in millions of meetings, but aren't effective. Yes. And I think it, what it has made me think about a lot of are the people that come to us, where, where I look at them and think, oh, crikey, poor fella, it's not quite working out for this guy or lady. And that's not, you know, that's only a small percentage of the people we work with. We work with some of the very talented people. Sometimes we do meet people where we think, Ooh, a bit of a cautionary tale this one, mm. and and you realise actually if you broke it down, it's not necessarily because actually, their pound for pound salesmanship is poor. Actually, more of them than not, their pound for pound salesmanship is shit up. They get jobs.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, but they sell their way into jobs. But if they looked at the pie pie chart of their time, they only spend a, a thin sliver of their time actually selling stuff to people. Yes, or being
0: effective in the way yeah, we sell. I that. And I think that that's that was very very useful. Um, and then we move forward, further forward. Uh, the motivation of the knowledge worker depends on his being effective. On his well, being page one, page four. Okay. If effectiveness is lacking in his
1: work. Well, look at that. Underline the same thing.
0: Yeah, I thought. But that's a great quote, wasn't it? But it's another nugget that we have to sift for for you, our darling listeners and viewers. Um, effectiveness is lacking in his work. His commitment to work and to contribution will soon weather and he will become a time server going through the motions from that time. So you've highlighted that in exactly the same paragraph and paper yeah, to yeah. Me. yeah, yeah, Why? Because
1: he's right. Yeah, he's bang right, isn't he? He's 100% right.
0: People lose heart if they're not winning.
1: Yes, and if they don't do the right things they stop winning. Yeah. That's what he's saying. And I mean, he's, you know, he's he is right.
0: And then what about this where he defines an executive? What bit did
1: you underline?
0: Part... Page
1: five here. Yeah, yeah. I thought that materially affects the capacity of the organisation. Like that. Yeah, 100. Really good. So for 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 the folks
0: at home, every knowledge worker in modern organisation is an executive. If by virtue of his position or knowledge, he's responsible for a contribution that materially affects the. capacity
1: And, and he goes on to say, in a guerrilla war, every man is an executive. Loved that. I really
0: liked that. I highlighted that as well. Um, and then. This is the, uh, the bit that I've sifted through that was really good. was the par- paragraph underneath. He says, there are many managers who are not executives. Many people, in other words, are superiors of other people and often of fairly large numbers of other people and still do not seriously affect the ability of the organization to perform. And I wrote, ooh, next to that. Um, uh, and, I, and I put n- next to my words, ooh, I wrote, how many sales leaders do we meet who are supervisors of other people, but don't seriously affect the ability of the organisation to pull? Loads, loads of middle. And that's a real big bugbear for me when I'm working on sales leadership roles. A, a a key interview question that I I tend to ask sales leaders is I try and get into. Often sales leaders will come through the door and they'll say, Oh, uh, when I took over this team, it turned over four million, and when I left, it turned the, the team did eight million. And, and, then, and, then, guys. And, and then when you get into it, they've recruited eight salespeople who've all actually underperformed in the, the half million quid each. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Heard um, that, and, and I tend to drill into the, the programs and projects that the individual put in place that affected the number. And I would say it's about 20% of sales leaders who can immediately say, well, actually, I, did, I implemented the following in order to improve the, the results of the team. And I thought that that was a really interesting one about effectiveness. And, and I mean, that brings up a whole other debate about middle management, isn't it, in, in general? It um,
1: does, yes.
0: And I, I guess the next interesting quote knowledge work is not defined by quantity, neither is knowledge work defined by its costs, it's defined Literally, by its it, results. It's like a little...
1: But, but, going, that, but, but, that's, snap but that's the point, the point is... We've
0: gone three pages, you've found to another... Tr- high-
1: oh. You have to trawl, through. I mean, you look at the next two pages, I didn't highlight
0: anything. Let me have a look, see if I have... I highlighted a bit the ne- over the next page, where um, I have called executives, those knowledge workers, managers or individual professionals who are expected, by virtue of their position or knowledge, to make a decision in the normal course of so their work that significant... <laughs> I don't know why I've
1: highlighted it, I must have been pissed. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, 5
0: o'clock this morning. Yeah, probably. Um,
1: anyway, so the next yeah,
0: bit... The I've gone to. I've gone exactly the same amount
1: of pages. And the next bit I liked, I like this. Uh, the executive time tends to belong to everybody else.
0: Yeah, good that.
1: Uh, well, yes and no. I think it should say, the week executive time. Tends to belong to everybody else. Yeah,
0: well he's, he's, these are the four. So just to put this into context, I think he defines, is it four key realities of an executive? Yeah, he does. Yes. So yes. It, the, uh, the the first one, point one, is the executive's time tends to belong to everyone else. And I think what his definition of that is, he's saying people are always making people... People always have
1: a pitching time, yeah. That's what yeah. he said, yeah, 100%. And, and, and I'm going to stop knocking how badly it's written in a minute but I'm just going to read one chapter uh, one paragraph, <laughs> so let's see if we understand this every executive whether it, whether his organisation is a business or a research laboratory a government agency a large university or the air force sees the inside, the organisation as close and immediate reality it's a
0: big old sentence.
1: I mean, I mean, I mean But the book's like that, which is such a shame because there's some good stuff in it.
0: Yeah, and then he he says, number two of the four key executive realities, executives are forced to keep on operating unless they take positive action to change the reality in which they live and work. What do you make of that?
1: I just don't agree with that. But maybe that's maybe belligerent. Because nobody's forced to keep on operating. I think what he's trying to say there is is if you're doing badly, you're. it's your, keep... your choice to do badly.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, I sort of didn't quite get that, really. Executives are forced to keep operating unless they take positive action to change reality in which they live and work. So I think what he's saying is you'll keep doing the work you get paid to do no matter how bad you know it is or how troublesome the situation is. I don't think he's is. saying
1: that. Is I, he think, not...
0: I think he's saying it's your
1: choice to operate badly.
0: Uh, he, he kind of put, well... It's it's interesting that we're finding it out to interpret, isn't it? If the executive lets the flow of events determine what he does, what he works on, and what he takes seriously, he will fritter himself away operating. I think what he's saying is that some executives can often let the flow of events determine what they do.
1: Yes, I'd agree with that, pretty much, yes.
0: Yeah, and then he puts the third reality of pushing the executive towards ineffectiveness. And this is interesting, it's very semantic, this, isn't it? Three and four. So... Pay attention there, folks. Um, the third reality, pushing the executive towards ineffectiveness, is that he is within an organization. And that's in italics, the word organization. So it means he's effective only if and when other people make use of what he contributes. Organization is a means of multiplying the strength of an individual It takes his knowledge and uses it as resource, the motivation, and the vision of other knowledge workers. Knowledge workers, however, are rarely in phase with each other precisely because they are knowledge workers which has his own skill and his own concerns. And then he says, finally, the executive is within an organisation. Why? <laughs> is that because that was in italics again? That, that vocal thing
1: was me doing italics. Yeah, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, but I, I get his point. But it's, it, let's, let's stop look, knocking on. Yeah, so oh, what, what's, no, what I'm
0: interested stuff. in is, I wonder if he wrote this for the humble executive, or whether he wrote it for the business school... I feel like I'm back at Huddersfield Poly studying marketing here. Um, to be fair. And, and the point he's saying is the fewer the people, the smaller, the less activity inside, the more nearly perfect is the organisation in terms of only of its
1: own... But that goes back to his previous point, doesn't it, about the interrelationship of execs? Yes. Because what effectively, you know, to answer the original question you started off with uh, at the start was about the reliance everybody has on each other. And he's sort of he's sort of saying, let's all try to be effective in our own sphere, and then it should all click together nicely. But what he's saying is, if we try to be effective as an organisation and we're not as effective as individuals, the whole organisation draws us back and pinches our time.
0: Yes, that's exactly what he's saying. That's a good interpretation. of
1: But it. he should sort of have written that in a page. So he's basically saying, if we're
0: not top individuals, we all end up so If we're not effective individuals,
1: we we use each other's time. It's always a
0: yes. And actually, often. And he's right. What happened, you know, in our own business, if you think about it, at a time when we employed more people and we had a big team, there was a period of time where actually there would be ineffective individuals became time thieves. 100%. Which would then in turn make others ineffective.
1: But do you know, absolutely, but what, what book writes that better? I'll give you a clue it's got monkeys in it. One minute, manager meets the monkey. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a great book. One minute, manager meets well, the monkey. Well,
1: that's that's sort of what that, that this is on yeah, in the well, same way. If you somebody's
0: don't... an idiot, you end up picking up their monkeys, don't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's sort of what Drucker's saying.
0: Yeah, well, well I think the one minute manager meets the monkey is a lot later on. Yeah, but it's I just, bet he's probably. I bet read this. To, yeah, I bet it's a reinterpretation of that. Well, I, and then we've gone about four or five pages without finding anything. It talks
1: about computers being logic machines, and that's their weakness. Yada yada yada.
0: Yeah. But then it, he does get to a couple of very interesting points again here
1: on, the <laughs> mod- <laughs> on page eighteen. We won't be able to read it. I thought if this had been my book, I'd have thrown it in the bin.
0: <laughs> right, okay. Um, but he does point out that, and, and I think this is really interesting. He says we're not going to breed a new race of supermen. What page are you on? Page seventeen here. So he talks about incre- making people more effective and making executives more effective. So he says, increasing effectiveness may well be the only area where we can hope to significantly raise the level of executive performance achievement and satisfaction. We could use people of much greater abilities in many places. We could use people of broader knowledge, I submit, however, that in these two areas not too much can be expected from further efforts. We may be getting to the point where we're already attempting to do the inherently impossible or at least the inherently impossible, but we are not going to breed a new race of supermen. We will have to run our organisations with men as they are. So what he's saying is, you're not going to change the people, but what you can do is make them more effective and train them in effectiveness. Yes, I agree with and you. And I think from a recruiter's perspective, that's a really interesting thought. Because so many clients want to hire Superman.
1: Well, every client wants to hire a golden bullet, do
0: not they? Yeah, they want
1: a they, the, the silver bullet. Silver you know,
0: bullet, is it? So, uh, how many clients want a silver bullet? It's going to solve all their problems.
1: Well, they haven't got silver bullet money, and the silver bullet money man doesn't want to join them. And, and even with just
0: the just... silver bullet money, they think, oh, if I pay silver bullet money, it's all going to go away. All my problems are going to go away. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, they two, don't. Two,
1: I, I actually quite like it, actually. Page 19. Yeah. One of the weaknesses of young, highly educated people today, whether in business, medicine or government, is that they are satisfied to be versed in one narrow speciality, an affect to contempt for the other areas
0: yeah that's right so what he's basically saying is people intellectually siloed themselves Yeah. the sales guy is a sales guy and he's intellectually siloed from the accounts guy but I
1: sort of thought that was what Drucker wanted somebody to do to be effective and he underlined it because I thought to myself, I thought that's what you wanted Drucker
0: maybe Fair. maybe um, he makes another very good point here. What seems to be wanted is universal genius, and universal genius has always been in scarce supply. Too right, Peter.
1: Yes, and then actually, upon page 20, he goes on and, 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 and he puts, all they have in common is the ability to get the right things done, which I think he's absolutely right when he was talking about um, effective executives. They do just get things done.
0: Yeah, and it's a good part... That, There's a good paragraph here, if effectiveness can be learned however the question arises, what does it consist in, what does one have to learn? Of what kind is the learning? Is it a knowledge, a knowledge one learns in systemic form and through concepts? Is it a skill, or is it a practice which one, one learns through doing the same elementary things over and over? So he's starting to ask some really interesting questions about what actually is effectiveness. And then, as you said, all most all, all the really effective people have in it common is the ability to get the right things done. It's
1: absolutely, and I, right. and I think
0: you can't overestimate that getting the right things done. Just just reading that has made me think about. It's made me think about. Am I getting the right things done at my desk? Yes. Yeah. You know, I do. I did
1: agree with that. Actually. So it,
0: you know, I'm pasting it. I've not enjoyed actually the act of reading it, um, but there's a couple of little good takeaways here and I think as simple as that sounds getting the right things done for me is
1: big. You could do a lot worse than actually when you sat down to do a task think, I'm doing the right thing now that Many years ago,
0: special. Dave if you're watching Dave Shields trained me as a consultant right and he went, Steve Griffith went away and he came over to Leeds and we did some training and his training consisted of
1: didn't shouting at you.
0: They didn't shout. They didn't no. Shout. no. He, used to, he sat at my desk for a week right. going, What are you doing now? What are you doing now? What are you thinking now? What are you doing now? What are you doing with your time now? What are you doing now? Right. And it was incredibly effective. I mean, I sort of had it off him and he was, did it in a lighthearted way. It wasn't that oppressive, which was a bit of a feat for a. 29, 30 year old Dave Shields <laughs> um, uh, uh, but he, he said what are you doing now John like that I, I, I'm about to ring so and so why and he taught me how to get the right things done to be successful right maybe, how, maybe Dave Shields wrote done this and book and in the end he, he sort of you know like a rat in a maze Jason keys. he just basically taught me how to think like a good consultant how to ask the questions why is he what are you doing now what are you thinking right now what are you doing right now I'm going to the toilet why because I need the toilet but why now <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was just mad but at the end of the week I could. Re- I, 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 I literally went home on the Friday on Monday I was smashing that job out of the park All Right. Fair point. so I think that getting the right things done thing and it was just constantly getting me thinking about well, what's the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do because there were so many variables in that job. Yeah, like yeah. So many candidates I could speak to, so many clients I could speak to that your head could very easily spin, and you could sit there all day. You well, and
1: how, how often have you done that in just a general general job thinking? Yeah, I've worked really hard today, but actually oh, achieved.
0: You just took zero. the words out of my mouth. How? And in our game,
1: well, I in every, am
0: sure again. in any, you could very easily. I would have bet ninety percent of the people we operate with could very easily say they could spend all day on the phone talking to this person that person taking this call that call bringing this client that client we've all got a favourite client that'll sit on the phone with us for a and shit. yeah yeah and shit we've all got one and at the end of the day you leave exhausted you walk through the door of the house and you think oh, I'm beat I'm done I'm, I'm, oh, I just want my tea and Netflix but actually feeling like you've worked your backside off but how, how actually effective have you been and I think sometimes in the context of sales and getting the right things done, there's an interesting dichotomy which is you have to, we use the word, don't we, triage sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: 100%. And there is always a bit of collateral damage. So there is, But you have to be very cognizant of the fact that it's collateral damage to us, but it means the earth to that candidate. Yeah. Because every candidate, you know, who's looking for a role, every Client who's looking for a salesperson—that is the number one most important thing they do. In our
0: game, we cannot return every call. Sometimes I tend to. You, yes, but there are certain times where you know there are certain inquiries. Well, there's some guy who's going to be sat
1: at home, out of work, got to yeah. pay his mortgage, put, <sighs> but she, but you look at the shoes on his kids' knee. and room. you look at the CV,
0: and you think, I, I can't place that guy, and you don't return the call.
1: Well, I do return them, but it's but it's that's not, but
0: that's getting the right thing
1: done. It's not so much that. What? Well, it's not so much that. It's more. I've got one candidate who's out of work, he's got he or she is gonna call me a lot. Yeah. Because they're desperate. But if I've got another candidate who's gotta get an offer
0: You've got to get the right thing done and sort that offer out.
1: Yeah. And, that, call and while I always
0: call it and we're
1: moving into probably another
0: conversation about time, I always say there's client time, recruiter time and candidate time. Yeah, hundred percent. And particularly if you're in between jobs, client time is has a completely different, it lives in a different dimension. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So the time that... Because the candidates say, well, I'll do it tomorrow. Yes. And the I, client's I, I'll, be, I'll be
0: there tomorrow and the client's saying, well, I've got four client meetings, I've got to go to Spain to see a customer next week. I've and got, I've got to, And I've got my worldwide user conference in San Francisco next week. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, and, and then attended to do when I get back, so I'll see him two weeks on Wednesday. the candidates saying well, why can't you see me tomorrow? We're saying, why can't you see me tomorrow? But the client and everybody's got different concepts. So,
1: so, so how that finished as a chapter for me. Is it was hard, boring. Well, you've missed work. something
0: though, Pricey. What's that? The, the, the bit of the chapter that actually makes it worth reading, which was there are essentially five things that the five habits of mind that need to be acquired to be an effective exec, which we will then explore over the course of the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, so, I it, yes, I've
0: it. So he goes, effective execs know where their time goes, they work systematically at managing the little of their time that can be brought under control. And that's chapter two. We'll talk about that next week. Next bit is effective executives focus on outward contribution. They gear their efforts to results rather than to work. They start out with the question what results are expected of me rather than what work needs to be done, let alone with these techniques and tools. Number three, effective executives build on strengths, their own strengths, the strengths of their superiors, colleagues and subordinates, and on the strengths in the situation, that is, on what they can do. They do not build on weakness. They do not start out with the things they can't do. And number four, effective executives concentrate on the few major areas where superior performance will produce outstanding results. They force themselves to set priorities and stay with their priority decisions. They know that they have no choice but to do first things first and second things not at all. The alternative is to get nothing done. And number five, effective executives finally make effective decisions. They know that this is above all a matter of system, of the right steps in the right sequence. They know that an effective decision is always a judgment based on dissenting opinions rather than on consensus on facts and they know that to make many decisions fast means to make the wrong decisions what is needed a few but fundamental decisions what is needed is the right strategy rather than razzle dazzle tactics so they're the, what he calls the elements of, of executive effectiveness and they're the subjects of the book so i think what we've actually realized is chapter one is the intro to the book
1: yeah yeah very much
0: so um, and we've been introduced we're not